Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is, what, Tuesday? Tuesday, February 2nd. We made it into February, Mike. It is Groundhog Day. I haven't heard from Punxsutawney Phil quite yet this morning, but uh, we made it into February. Uh, it's... Uh, in-person dining is open in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I feel like we, yeah. we see some light at the end of the tunnel here through this winter. Um, it feels like we made a, a step, uh, you know, around the corner there into uh, a next uh, next part of life that is reopening with the vaccines and things like that. So with that being said, how are you doing, Mike? I'm great. And, you know, I love Groundhog Day, the movie, uh, less than the – than the actual event. Uh, I don't want to hear there's going to be whatever it is, six more weeks or eight more weeks of winter. I think it's six more weeks of winter, yep. but Justin did, I mean, you're, you're a lot younger than me. I mean, you were, you were a baby when I was graduating college. Uh, so, you know, how familiar are you with the great Bill Murray classic? I mean, is this something that your generation has, has kind of, you know, taken on like my generation took on maybe airplane or Caddyshack things that were, that came out when I was like a baby and I've, you know, just become a huge fan of watching them. Um, I wouldn't say that we are, I wouldn't say we are super into Groundhog Day, but um, I've definitely seen it multiple times. So I, I'm a Bill Murray fan in general. I think the millennial generation is, they are Bill Murray fans because he's like the funny mm -hmm. guy that's always at the Cubs games and things like that. He's in a couple of newer movies as well. Um, but th there's also just – there's the memes that are out there of, uh, you know, I, I actually put one out on Blue by 90 uh, a few weeks ago, um, and it was a picture of Bill Murray where he says, well, it's Groundhog Day again. And I said, well, it's Jim Harbaugh contract extension day again uh, because <laughs> it was uh, – you know, it happened so, so often there. But um, – yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a staple in our generation, but I think most of my friends and, and family have seen it. Well, you know what? Tonight is date night for Amy and myself. We, have, we do not have very many date nights because uh, the little man now goes to bed at like 8 or 8.15. 
and so we eat as a family, which is great, which I absolutely love um, having dinner with John now because he can eat human food. Uh, and so he eats whatever we eat. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to uh, I, re- I really enjoy that every single evening. But I'm, but tonight we're going to get uh, tacos for Taco Tuesday from a place in downtown Royal Oak. And then we're going to watch Groundhog Day. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. But, Justin, it's interesting. It, th- there does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day when it comes to Michigan athletics. And, you know, basketball is still in their paws. Hockey is still in their paws. Uh, women's basketball is still in their paws. And that doesn't, that's not letting up. That's, that's going to uh, go on until next Sunday, February 7th, at which point, you know, we're going to learn whether they're going to lift this two-week pause um, and how quickly, you know, teams can get back. Uh, to to being in the right condition. I do know that Ward Manuel, speaking on the John Jansen in the trenches podcast, uh, mentioned that you know he had a lot of faith in his coaches and to get his team their teams ready, um, but acknowledged kind of like, hey, if we're trying to play a game the next day or two days later, that's that's going to be asking a lot. The only one who has that situation is Michigan hockey. They're supposed to play on February 9th. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to keep that game uh, because it would just be too challenging for them to get back in the swing of practice, get their conditioning legs back. Um, so I, I, I doubt that will be played. The Michigan-Illinois basketball game, February 11th, I mean, we're really going to have to see. I, I think that's the first uh, example of, of how quickly can a team come back from, uh, from this hiatus. But, Justin, the Groundhog Day I want to start with is, you know, Ward Manual on In the Trenches podcast. And I want to get your take on what he said. now. Look, I like John Jansen a lot, um, and now he is the co-host of 97.1 in the morning with Mike Stone, who I also like a lot. But the one thing you don't necessarily get with the John Jansen podcast is you don't get hard-hitting questions, right? You don't get a lot of details beyond what Michigan wants you to know. Um, and when I'm reading, you know, reading the article, listening to the podcast, like one of the things that he, he talks to Ward Manuel, and Ward says, I'll give you the quote, um, He's talking about Jim Harbaugh and the fact that they've signed him for a contract extension through 2025. Uh, and he says, as a former captain and quarterback here, he knows exactly the expectations of Michigan and Michigan football and things that are expected in terms of success. I'm looking forward to his leadership for years to come. Uh, Ward Manuel then goes on to say, uh, the goal here is to win those rivalry games and win the Big Ten. That is not going to change, and that quest continues. I believe in the staff. I believe in Jim as the leader of this program, and I believe in the staff that he's put together. And I would ask you, Justin, a little bit, you know, the the question I wanted to ask was, you know, Ward, if that's the goal here, what, what did you see out of these six years where those things have not been achieved uh, in order for you to extend Jim Harbaugh? If the goal is to, uh, is to win the big 10, if that's what the measure of success is, then, you know, explain the rationale behind extending Jim Harbaugh. And so I wonder what your take is on the comments that War Manuel made with uh, John Jansen. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Mike, what's he supposed to say? Like, I know now he's made his decision, so he kind of has to say that, right? And so he's not going to come out and say, well, he's fell short, but we think that he can turn it around. I think he has, it's a little bit of the coach speak and the, the, the politics of it, right? He's got to say, yeah, you know, I, I believe in him. I think he's done the right things to put this team in place to win games and blah, blah, blah. Does he truly believe it? Uh, I don't know about that. Is it Was it the 
uh, e maybe easier decision for Ward Manuel to make to to uh, to keep Jim Harbaugh because they're friends. It's some continuity with the program. He doesn't have to, uh, you know, go out and do an entire coaching search and all that stuff. Yeah, it was probably the easier decision. Did he make it just because it was the easier decision? Uh, I, I think it had a factor to do it with, or to go into it. But I also think that he – I think that Ward Manuel actually believes in Jim Harbaugh. I honestly do because he has never said anything differently. Uh, and I think that there's a little bit of disconnect, and this is what you're alluding to, about the goals that actual Michigan fans have for Michigan and then the way that, that Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh and everyone else in the administration – sees how the things are going. I think they're a little bit blinded. Like they, they're thinking, well, we're right there. We're right there. And there are a lot of people from the outside saying, you're not right there, right? You are very far from right there. And so um, I think that there's, you know, excuses to be made on the inside sometimes like, well, it was a weird year. And if things go differently, you know, I think that Michigan has a, has a shot at it and all this stuff. But the reality is that, they lost to Michigan State at home when they were 23-point favorites. And that's – I mean, there were a lot of – that's one of a lot of unacceptable things that happened here in 2020. And then there are a lot of unacceptable things that happened in, this, in the five years prior to that too. So I, I just think that it's, it's – you know, he can't say anything differently, but it just seems like there is a disconnect from what Michigan fans want to see Michigan do on the field and, and where they want to see Michigan on the field uh, competing and where Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh see themselves competing on the field and see Michigan as. Because I think it's – Ward thinks that it's this thing that uh, – they think that Michigan is at the top or they're, they're close to it. And everyone else in the country sees them as, as this kind of middle of the pack in the Big Ten. So do you mm. – what, what, are, what are your thoughts? Well, you know – I understand what you're saying, you know, what's he supposed to say? And, and fans always get into this. What's he supposed to say? What's a coach supposed to say? Look, there is better things to say than what they ultimately do. You know, he gets asked about extending Jim Harbaugh's contract. He doesn't have to give a generic answer about how, um, hey, you know, the goal here is to win those rivalry games and win the Big Ten. It's give us a level of honesty. Look, I had a heart-to-heart -heart with, with, with Jim Harbaugh about this. He understands that we have not reached uh, the level that we expect from him and from our football program here at the University of Michigan to go the first six years uh, without competing in the Big Ten championship, to go the first six years without beating Ohio State. Um, you know, that is not good enough. That said, when you look at, you know, that's where he can interject. That said, when you look at what Jim Harbaugh has been building here, and let's talk about some of those things that he's been building. Let's look at some of the things that he has done behind the scenes. Let's look at his recruiting. Let's look at how he is shaping his staff. Let's look at uh, the success that he's having in terms of just creating good community, uh, you know, academic success st stories, good community, the things in the NFL draft. Let's talk about some of his successes, and let's talk about why we still believe in him, that we're going to extend him another five years. Tell us, give the Michigan fans something other than like we believe in Jim Harbaugh because he is a he is a former court like to mention the fact that he's a former quarterback and captain like what what is that what does that have to do with anything like who gives well, a well, shit Mike, that he's a former me, quarterback let me let me ask you this though 
He's gotten that same freaking question a thousand times in the last six years about is Jim Harbaugh the guy, you're beating your rivals, all this stuff. So I put it a little bit on the media. Hey, let's ask a different question some way instead of completely just pounding that over and over again where we already know that's the answer we're going to get, right, instead of, you know. But but see, Justin, this time it's different because this time you just extended him. You You just gave him a contract extension. So explain why he was worth a contract extension. And I actually disagree. I don't think he gets pounded about by the media very much because he doesn't make himself available to the media very often. I mean, this is the first interview he has done with a member of the media, but it's an internal podcast um, since the week of the Ohio State game. And if you remember, he got asked about a contract extension the week of the Ohio State game, and he immediately pivoted that to like, well, we don't want to talk about it. That's not the time to talk about it. We'll discuss this at another, at another opportunity. Right now our focus is on the Michigan-Ohio State game and COVID and stuff like that. So what he said was, hey, members of the media, I'm not going to talk about Jim Harbaugh's contract right now, but that'll be a discussion we can have down the road. And here we are. That was early December, right? Here we are two months later. He has not made himself available to the media. All he's made himself available to is an internal podcast with a former player. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that drives the media crazy. This is the kind of stuff that should drive you as a fan crazy because he has never, ever offered any transparency, any reason, any explanation for why Jim Harbaugh is the guy to extend for five more years. He's just giving you generic um, public rele- release quotes that serve no purpose whatsoever because they're so blah and so bland that they don't tell you anything about the thought process. Well, I'll agree with you in one aspect is as I'm watching uh, the just Detroit one? Lions. Come on, that was a convincing argument. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I – I don't think that Ward Manuel is great on the podium, to be honest. I think that he mm-hmm. – he it, and it's – I mean, he's not in a good position because it was a home run hire at the time, and now you've been backpedaling trying to back that this is the guy for the past six years, right? So it's like you're put in a bad position from the beginning, and you just constantly try – it's like it's like trying to convince all your friends that your girlfriend is, like, great, but they see that she's this – which behind the scenes, right? Like they see it, but you don't because you're in love with her. And um, so that's kind of how I feel that, that he sees it. And it, he's like constantly oh, trying to convince everybody that he's the guy. Poor Jackson. You're going to marry this girl and you're just talking about her in this particular way. That was not a personal, personal thing. It was, you know, I've seen it happen oh, with other God. people. Never, never. With oh, okay. Thank God. I was going to call her <laughs> up and be like, Jacqueline, you got to get out of this now, okay? You're not, you're not married yet. This is what he said about you on the podcast. Like, you need to walk away from Mr. Rowe. Thankfully, I don't think she listens to me. I think she tunes me out already after we've been together for six years or so. So, um, so well, maybe, hopefully to, she won't I mean, <laughs> Yeah, the biggest, the, the biggest thing in, I think, I don't know, any marriage, but how many times do you have to repeat yourself because the other person's not listening to you? whether you're like in bed next to them or at the dinner table <laughs> and someone's like, and, and I'll be like, so how was your day? And Amy will say to me, how was my day? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm being nice. I'm asking how your day was. And she's like, you mean what we just talked about for the last five minutes, how my day was? <laughs> I am and very like, guilty of being that guy too, for sure. The one that's not yeah. 
Yeah. And you try to go with like some rational excuse, right? And you're like, well, I was paying attention to John. Oh yeah. What was, what was John doing? Uh, <laughs> well, he was, uh, yeah. So um, anyway, we've all, we've all been there probably, unfortunately. So, yeah. but I, I get also, it. I get so, it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I will say, I agree with you in the fact that like some honesty and transparency would be so revitalizing here in the Michigan administration because it's something we haven't seen. Jim Harbaugh has given bland answers his entire time here and Ward hasn't done much better. So some transparency has been awesome, would have, or would be awesome to see. And I'm comparing it to the Detroit lions where it's been only transparency from them in the hiring of their new coach, Dan Campbell. And they've done a great job with hiring new, uh, new coaches, but, Dan Campbell has gotten up on the podium and said, hey, I know it's been tough sledding here. You guys haven't done anything, you know, good in the past however many years. And this fan base, you know, deserves it. How, how awesome would it be for Ward Manuel or Jim Harbaugh to come up there and do something similar and say, hey, I know we haven't gotten to where we need to be. I get it. But we are doing things that we think are are in place to put us, you know, over the top and get us to that next level. I would that would be a breath of fresh air to hear one of them say, "Hey, I know we haven't done it." Instead of trying to like blow smoke and back each other up and say, "Well, I think we've done the right things and we've we've tried really hard and that type of stuff." Well, and and Justin, at that point, it is my. Oh man, like you can tell, like there are things about being a former member of the, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media for Michigan football that absolutely drive me nuts. And one of them is when you tell the media, like, Hey, um, this is not the time we'll talk about another time. And then you never provide another opportunity. Another one is when you say, you know, you guys all criticize us for if you, you know, like, oh, the results on the field, but you don't see a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. And you say, like, well, what are some of the things going on behind the scenes? Well, that we're going to keep internally that we don't need to we don't need to go into like all the different things. Like this is a moment where where John Jansen or if Ward Manuel made himself available where he, you could say, like, Ward, tell me the things that you really like about Jim and where this program is going. Tell us the things behind the scenes that we don't get a chance to see that you are confident that this is going to take Michigan to those goals of winning the big 10 title and beating Ohio state. And often what you'll, you'll hear is like, well, you know, those are, those are a lot of things that we just decide, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of keep internally. Like we don't want to talk about it. Some of that. And it's like, what an utter bullshit response, because you say that there's all these things going on, but you won't tell anybody what those things are. And then the lack of transparency when it comes to like, no practices are open, no access to anything. I mean, so you can't see anything with your own eyes. And so everything that Michigan football does, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say like, okay, well, because they said it's going to be good, it's going to be good. And what happens after, and I've seen this cycle now with, with four different coaching staffs at Michigan. And if you want to start basketball, then you add a couple more coaching staffs in there. Every like time there's a new hire, the guy comes in, the first couple of years, you get the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt, trust the coaches, trust the coaches. Uh, you know, Brady Hoke was up, was, was doing a far better strength and conditioning than, than Rich Rodriguez. And the way that he interacts with the players is far better. And then Jim Harbaugh comes in, well, that, he does a better job. And the, the players always get asked about that, the comparisons. Well, they do this differently. And everybody gives them the benefit of the doubt. Well, the benefit of the doubt only lasts for a certain amount of time. For I would say like most, 
most fans, certainly the media, who have any level of like um, healthy skepticism, healthy criticism, healthy cynicism, like, so we're well past that point. Like, when I read someone on social media who says, well, you know, you, a couple weeks ago or, or the last go podcast, we talked a lot about the, the coaching staff that he brought in and whether or not we feel this is a great coaching staff. And, you know, I posted him on social media and someone's like, well, why don't you just trust Jim Harbaugh? He's a lot smarter than you. And if he thinks this is the right staff, then it's the right staff. Like get behind him. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, but no, like <laughs> he has had six years to put the right coaching staff together. He's had six years to build a championship team. Like why in year seven, when he's blowing up his staff and putting all these different pieces in, should I just all of a sudden give him the benefit of the doubt again? It doesn't work that way. And it especially doesn't work that way when you don't provide any solid answers whatsoever from a coaching standpoint, from an athletic director standpoint. Yeah, I think that's that's where it's just tough as as the you know from the fans' perspective to sit here and listen to what you're saying. Is it's it's the Groundhog Day? You're giving us the same BS over and over that we've heard for a long time. And so, um, you know, what what changes that with a new staff? Uh, uh, you know that Jim Harbaugh has now uh, now hired? What changes that, that these exact, you know, there's a lot of new things that they could talk about, right? There, there are a lot mm -hmm. of new things. He could say, he could come out and say, yes, Jim is actually, he's realized that he needs to change the culture. He needs more fire. They didn't have it last year. You could go into detail now and say this, this, and this happened in 2020. We, it was pretty eye-opening as to what was going on because the you know the the pandemic went on and it really it really opened our eyes in terms of uh, trying to get these kids into into a right mental headspace and that, then I realized that they weren't and we didn't have the right culture in place and and here are the things that Jim Harbaugh is doing to address that because he is he's made a lot of changes right so mm -hmm. there's a lot that he could have touched on and said hey I you know. I know that this that things haven't gone uh, gone well. I still think Jim is right for the job, and here's why: it's because he's going younger with his staff. It's because he's changing the culture. It's because he's taking accountability, and now he's the quarterbacks coach, and he's going to be more involved in this stuff instead of being a CEO guy. He could have Ward could have ran down a list of things, and instead, I agree with you. He came out with the with the you know coach speak with the the teleprompter speak in, in, uh, in, an, in an internal podcast. And so it just comes off to us and the fans as, well, you know, I, I don't believe it because you're not how, – how are you convincing me? Because it's just uh, – it's the same, same shit that you've been saying for a long time. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. I don't like it. I don't care for it. It's one of the reasons that um, – you know, it's, it's something that as a Michigan alum, as a Michigan fan, and as someone who has, you know, seen how the sausage is made, uh, it really, it, it's really disheartening. Um, again, you know, you're looking at an offseason where you're trying to get your fan base who is fractured to believe, to buy in, to say like, okay, especially if they start selling tickets. Um, now, maybe there's a one-year bump of selling tickets just because everybody's so desperate to get back to like their tailgating and get back to the big house. I think you could see that. But if, if it's a poor football season, uh, you know, I think you could see a, a massive number of people, you know, not attend games, cancel tickets, 
mm-hmm. um, just not be as engaged with Michigan football. And so here's this offseason, this critical offseason for Michigan football. They're coming off a two and four campaign, the worst record, um, you know, of, of the Jim Harbaugh era, certainly. Uh, and and right up there with the with I mean, if you were to project over the course of the season, I mean, you're talking about four and eight. I mean, that's a Brady, that's a Rich Rodriguez-esque, you know, failure. Um, and so you've got to get this program excited and giving them platitudes, giving them generic like responses is not what's going to get uh, your fan base excited. So, all right, Justin, I want to shift a little gear a little bit. There's some more football talk here to here to discuss uh, with a couple of uh, players uh, coming back, announced that they're coming back for senior seasons, fifth year seniors, and a couple of players who have announced where they intend to transfer. Uh, but uh, first, Justin, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, um, Wolverine State Brewing Company and Weber's Hotel and Restaurant, particularly the restaurant, back open for business. You can go in there. Uh, again, it's limited capacity. I believe it's 25% capacity at any one time. But um, really want to, you know, people have been doing a great job. We've heard from a lot of, uh, we've heard from, um, you know, our sponsors about people that have come in and, and picked up carry out and mentioned the podcast. Uh, and so we just want to continue to give them support and love. Uh, and now that you can dine in, you know, maybe you can have that romantic night with uh, that, that date night with your significant other um, at Weber's hotel, or if God, like you just really want to get inside and have a beer at four o'clock or five o'clock, right after you're done with your work day, stop by Wolverine state brewing company, um, you know, either by yourself or with a friend and you can enjoy a beer inside. I know, I know for me, and like I've done my best to, to to do some of this outside dining. I've done a lot of carryout, but Justin, like it's been cold this week, really yeah. cold in Michigan. We've got snow, you know, I think the temperature yesterday was like maybe like 22 degrees. And I got to say, I'm looking forward to the idea that I don't have to be outside if I want to enjoy a beer and some nachos at Wolverine State Brewing Company. Like I can oh, sit yeah. out inside, I can sit away from people. You know, I can keep my distance. I can put my mask back on when I'm not eating or drinking. But goodness, like just to be in something that's a little bit warmer is very exciting to me. Just the fact that we don't have to like brave an an Arctic tundra to have a draft beer really gets me very excited. I agree. And whether it's, you know, whether it's Wolverine State Brewing Company or you do go to Weber's for, uh, for a cocktail or something or just anywhere. I mean, any of those small businesses in Ann Arbor that we know have been struggling, you know, I, my uh, profession is in the restaurant industry. And I know that a lot of these places have been waiting for a long time. And so they're excited. So go, even if it's just a couple beers or, or, uh, or one meal, you know, I think celebration in terms of uh, opening back up is in, uh, is in store. I think that they would all really appreciate it. So um, and ge- just in general, go support those small businesses and the restaurants, uh, whether you're in Ann Arbor or you're wherever you are, I'm sure they would appreciate it. That would be, that would be fantastic. And I know you and I will both be doing that this week. Oh yeah. I'm going to be at the Wolverine tomorrow. I can't wait. I Beautiful. absolutely can't Beautiful. wait. So, um, you can learn much more by going to Weber's or WolverineBeer.com. So Justin, Michigan got a little bit of good news. Um, was certainly expecting this. This wasn't this wasn't like big, shocking, breaking news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Ross, a linebacker, uh, and Donovan Jeter, a defensive tackle, both announced that they will be back for their fifth year, uh, not their sixth year, their fifth year. 
um, that they are eligible for. So some good news for Michigan on that front, especially with the loss of Cam McGrone um, to uh, the NFL. You know, they're going to need to lean on Josh Ross. Uh, Michael Barrett played the the Viper position. Not really sure, you know, what that means for his future now that they've brought in two new defensive coordinators. But Michael Barrett is someone who's super versatile. You could see him, you know, if he's playing a traditional will, um, you know, if they need to get him up to a Mike, I think he could play Mike. Uh, God, you know, with his speed and his athleticism, um, you know, he could always play strong safety too. That's an option uh, for And, for and you never know. Lance Dixon from Penn State, the linebacker, is in the portal, and he has a couple crystal balls to Michigan because he's a former West Bloomfield guy. So maybe he'll be joining that squad uh, to, to strengthen the linebacker core. That would certainly be good news. Michigan did pick up a commitment, a uh, football commitment, uh, for this 2021 class, a defensive tackle uh, just recently, just recently, George Rooks out of uh, St. Peter's Prep in New Jersey. Um, and they also picked up a transfer from Louisiana Tech, Willie Allen, who was announced um, many, many weeks ago, but uh, now is official. Um, so, you know, it looks like some of the early moves that Jim Harbaugh's made uh, are, are helping. Um, and we'll see. We'll certainly track the, the roster changes uh, for this Michigan football team going forward. Justin, I do want to ask you about two players who have announced that they're going elsewhere. And uh, Dylan McCaffrey, this, this occurred way back in September when he opted out for the season and said that he was, you know, he was going to transfer uh, news that, um, that no, you know, no pat on the back here, but that we broke over at uh, Wolverine digest, the, the, the site that is now run by Brandon Brown, um, you know, and it was at the time, I don't know. I mean, certainly there were some mitigating factors there, but a guy who had a lot of promise, who was the second highest rated quarterback recruit of the Jim Harbaugh era uh, prior to uh, them signing JJ McCarthy, uh, it was Brandon Peters was the top-ranked recruit that they ever signed at the quarterback position. Dylan McCaffrey was number two. Um, this is a guy who really early on in his career impressed at Notre Dame when he came in for an injured Shea Patterson on the road as a redshirt freshman. Uh, he then, you know, had a really nice game against Nebraska uh, where he threw a 56-yard touchdown pass. He also uh, ran what was a 70-something yarder, but it got called back for, for holding um, but just really looked like he was going to be the guy for Michigan football, all the intangible qualities, all the leadership qualities. Um, guys were excited to play with them, and it never came to fruition. And let me ask you, Justin, like how much of a bummer is it for you? He's going to go into Northern Colorado where his dad coaches, where he's going to play for his dad. Obviously, he'll probably be the starting quarterback there. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like cataclysmic, how disappointing, how much of a bummer, and how much do you think Michigan missed out on with, uh, with no Dylan McCaffrey at, at starting quarterback? Well, I think it to me, it's when I was looking at the quarterback room at the end of, I believe, the 2019 season, it looked like Michigan set for five-plus years, right? They've got Joe Milton, they've got Dylan McCaffrey, and that's going to be a great battle. One of them's got to pan out, right? And then JJ's coming in in the future and they're, you know, they can continue to build on that. And so for me, it's very disappointing because, you know, you went from what I saw and I think a lot of people saw as a stacked quarterback room and there's no way that they could miss on all those guys. Uh, and then they would be set up for the future when JJ McCarthy comes in and, you know, he can groom himself under, uh, you know, under one of those guys for a year or two and then step in. 
Um, so I am super disappointed, honestly. It's, it's probably an eight for me because between Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton, I thought one of them was going to be the guy. And I was going into the 2020 season last summer thinking it's no doubt Dylan McCaffrey. No doubt. I was told by a lot of people that were in uh, Schembechler uh, in the spring practice and everything in 2020 that Dylan was by far uh, the, the most talented quarterback. Even actually at the end of the 2019 season, a lot of people said even with Shea Patterson as the starting quarterback, Dylan McCaffrey was far out more talented than Shea Patterson. Shea had the leadership. Shea had a little bit of, uh, you know, veteran and uh, uh, those uh, tangibles going on. But I think that he, Dylan McCaffrey, showed the arm. He showed, you know, the six-foot-five frame, all that stuff. So it, it is super, uh, super disappointing to me. And I can see him doing well. I Honestly, I'm a little surprised he went FCS, even though his dad was uh, was is the coach there. I, I'm surprised he he didn't land somewhere in the uh, Pac-12 or something like that. Um, but I, I think it's I think his attitude had a lot to do with it. I think he is a little bit of a of a guy that thought he was better than he was and struggled with not being that guy. Um, and so uh, I don't know. I, I'm disappointed. Are you in the same boat? Or are you saying uh, we'll be okay without? Well, I'm I'm certainly bummed. I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I loved what I saw out of Dylan McCaffrey in that 2018 season. And there was enough in that early part of the 2019 season. Uh, and I mean, how, how, just just what a crazy couple of years where I, I agree with you that, you know, the expectations for him. I mean, 2019, we spent the entire summer and at Big Ten coaches, you know, Big Ten media days of that where the coaches talked about playing both quarterbacks. Uh, that they had a role for Dylan McCaffrey. We saw it really early on in the 2019 season against Middle Tennessee State where he came in and they ran, you know, reverse with him. Uh, they did a couple of fun things. And, like, that was supposed to be the plan. And then Michigan just abandoned it for no good reason, like absolutely no good reason. They spent all this time putting it into the offense, and then they didn't use it, and they just kind of panicked. And then, then they put uh, Dylan McCaffrey in a no-win situation when he goes into the third quarter of a game that they're losing 35 to nothing on the road at Wisconsin. And, you know, should he have, should he have been more careful with his body? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's a, a fearless guy who, who wants to get the extra yard and he put himself in position. And then the guy, you know, kind of had a nasty hit and bell rung a concussion. And now his future was completely, uh, completely altered um, because of that concussion and because of the injuries that he would have. And, but it's, to me, like, you don't know for sure, right? Like, we don't know because, again, we had no access to practice and we had no access to see this competition. But it's very clear that Joe Milton wasn't the guy. Right. And we're not really sure if Cade McNamara, you know, what his future is and what is J.J. McCarthy. But this is just another example of someone who's not panning out, who, who everybody put their eggs in that basket, who the coaches talked about, who they were excited about um, as, a, as a prospect, as someone who could – both run the football was such a natural on the read option and was an extremely fast and, and quick runner and someone who show, like had all those kind of X factor qualities that you want to build a, a, a offense around. And then pff, nothing like just well, let me, he's let me ask, going someplace else. Let me ask you this. Do you see that? And we'll talk about Zach Charbonnet in a second here as well, but I think that you can lump both of them into this category. Are these two guys more of guys that didn't pan out at Michigan or were they 
not utilized in the right way. So they want to move on to get a better shot somewhere. I think in, I think in this situation, I mean, Zach Charbonnet, you know, I was just looking at his, at his stats here and Zach Charbonnet is going to be a head scratcher for Michigan fans for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, he finishes his freshman year with 726 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns. The 11 touchdowns is a Michigan true freshman rushing record. The 726 yards, I think, ranked second all time behind Mike Hart. Um, you know, then he comes out in his very first game, his very first carry against Minnesota. He goes for 70 yards on a touchdown, and he's showing off his speed uh, and some some vision that that people are super excited about. And then the rest of the year, after that Minnesota game, he gets the ball 15 total times. Like this to me is another example of this coaching staff just not having a clear idea of what they want to do at a certain position and wasting a guy away. And, you know, last year when he was a true freshman, they didn't want to admit this, but this was 100% true. They put him in a situation this week two where they had trust in him. I get it. But they ran him 33 times against Army because they didn't trust anybody else to go in there and pass block. And they beat him into the ground so badly in his second career game at Michigan that the following week, they were like, oh, well, we decided to rest him against Wisconsin and instead played Ben Mason near the goal line when they have a 235-pound back in Charbonnet. Why? Not because they need to rest him, because he was hurt. Okay, like, so they have mismanaged Zach Charbonnet his entire career. And that, to me, is incredibly frustrating because you look at a lot of guys that they have had a lot of really talented guys. Zach Charbonnet, until Donovan Edwards arrives, and he, I guess he's arriving right now. He's an early enrollee. He is the highest-ranked running back that they have ever signed at Michigan. He was number 46 nationally. And here he is gone after, you know, kind of a season and a half after 168 career carries. You want to go back and look at, like, how they didn't get the most out of Nico Collins, how they didn't get the most out of Donovan Peoples-Jones, how they're not, they didn't get the most last year out of Hassan Haskins. You know, how they didn't get the most out of any quarterback. And it's like this, it's, it's Groundhog Day, Justin. It's repetitive it over and over again. They have all this talent, Rashawn Gary, how they have all these physically talented players. Everybody talks about how they have to recruit better to be able to compete with Ohio State. No, they, sure they need to, but they have got to start utilizing the best ability of their talent when they have it, and they're not. Yeah, I mean, these two guys, I think you can put right in the same category. I think that, Zach Charbonnet is a little bit more of the more of a head scratcher than Dylan McCaffrey, but um, it's just it goes back to the point, you know, of how they handled the running back room this past year, and it's we, I don't know why they can't figure out that they need to pick a guy and go with him, you know, and and then but it's it's also like okay, I, I don't know, it's it is a head scratcher because in terms of Zach Charbonnet, that's what we wanted was uh, you know pick at least two guys. Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet possibly and go with them and then but then mm -hmm. you know how did it how did it get to the point last uh summer-ish going into the fall of 2020 where Dylan McCaffrey or you know Jim Harbaugh said hey Joe Milton's the guy and then Dylan McCaffrey was basically out at that point it was really how, how was Jim so sure because Dylan McCaffrey had shown it's not like he hadn't shown that uh, that he was that he could be a solid quarterback because I think that what we said on the podcast was all right. What this shows to me, if Jim Harbaugh is saying yes, Joe Milton's a guy I'm 100% confident, and Dylan McCaffrey is going to transfer, that means that Joe Milton must be unbelievable, right? And it turns out that wasn't the case. So tell me what happened last summer that showed 
Jim Harbaugh that, that Joe Milton was the guy and that Dylan McCaffrey couldn't get it done. I think that's what's frustrating to everybody is how they're managing these, uh, these position battles. You know, are, they're either doing too much with too many people or they're giving it to one guy and saying, all right, you're it, and everyone else is out of the race. So they're, it's just this interesting thing where Jim Harbaugh, I, I would think, loves the position battles. He's a guy, he's a fighter his whole time as a quarterback and in the, at Michigan and the NFL, even in, uh, you know, as a coach, he's a guy who just like loves to fight and will never back down to anybody. Right. Is that's been his whole mantra, his whole career. Well, why is he not, he should be able to spur these, these position battles and have these guys fighting so hard and not giving up and things like that, but it just doesn't seem to translate to those. So that's where I struggle. And, and like you said, we don't have any vision on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes in these position battles because not many people do. No, not many people are inside Schembechler or, or in the big house watching these practices. But I just don't understand why you, you go to a lot of these other schools such as Ohio State, Alabama, you know, even just in general, a lot of other Big Ten schools too. And they have great position battles and they turn out that both guys can contribute or the, the guy that ends up being as the runner-up to, to that position and the backup, he mm -hmm. still is, is contributing and still working hard to get there. And that's not what seems to happen at Michigan in a lot of these uh, cases. Let me ask you this question, Justin, is when you look at, let's just take Penn State, because James Franklin gets, you know, beaten down by Michigan fans as someone who's completely inept and unqualified and is nowhere near the coach that Jim Harbaugh is. And, and certainly I, I don't, I don't love his in-game management, but he's been at, at Penn State for one year more than Jim Harbaugh. And when you look at the three positions, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver and ask like the skill that they've brought in, do you think that he has gotten the most out of, or at least more consistently has gotten the most out of his talent than Michigan has? And you can talk about KJ Hamler and the success that he had at Penn state trace McSorley, who wasn't really a highly recruited player, but was a great quarterback uh, for Penn state. Um, look at the running back position. You got Saquon Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders, who's now like the starting running back for the Philadelphia Eagles and who had a thousand yard season for, for James Franklin, uh, Journey Brown, who was well on his way until getting injured uh, for Penn State. And like you look at some of the other wide receivers, like the Mike Jusecki, the, uh, the tight end, um, the Friar Muth, the tight end, like you look at their skill positions and when they've got talent, you can argue that Penn State has not like, lived up to its own potential but they're getting the most out of their skill position players far more consistently than Michigan is. And yet this is a James Franklin who everybody thinks is like a, you know, rambling bum that can't compete with a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, let's be Trace McSorley is probably the greatest quarterback in Penn state history uh, in terms of his career. I, I, I mean, there's an argument for that. At least he's, he put up unbelievable records. he, uh, and he was a guy, like you said, you definitely got the most out of him. There's no, there was nothing left that you could get out of him. And so I think when you're talking about getting a lot out of a little, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has gotten a little out of a lot. Let's be honest. I think there are, there are so many cases where it's four and five star guys that turn out to be not so great. 
and so that's where I, I agree with you. I think James Franklin, maybe he's, he hasn't, you know, it hasn't certainly translated into wins all the time, uh, but he does have a Big Ten title, and you can call it a fluke because they blocked the kick, but it's one more Big Ten title than Michigan has, unfortunately. So um, I, I, I agree with you. I think James Franklin has definitely gotten more out of his guys, especially at the skill positions. You know, um, Micah Parsons is going to be a, a top draft pick. Uh, uh, Saquon, like you said, Miles Sanders. There's, you can run down the list. Uh, even, I mean, Sean Clifford is a guy who shouldn't be doing he, – he shouldn't, I, in my opinion, just looking at him doesn't look like a, a starting quarterback in the Big Ten. And he produced really well. So I think in terms of uh, developing their guys, they've got a leg up on Michigan for sure. Well, it's, it's all, you know, again, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, damn, Spats and Roe are just way too cynical. And I just, you know, it's just too much. I, 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 and I get it. Like, I'll acknowledge. But this is six years of disappointment that is, that is kind of rearing its head. Um, you know, when I'll, I'll give you a, since you brought the relationship earlier, Justin, um, you know, I dated a girl before I, before my amazing, awesome wife, uh, who I used to fight with a little bit and we went to couples counseling and we learned this thing about like, a the four horsemen. And it was like a, and it was this whole idea of like, when you start having a negative experience with someone, ultimately what you'll do is even during like the positives you'll find like the negative in it. And it just sort of builds on the top of each other. Like it's the avalanche coming down the mountain. Since you're a big skier, you can understand this reference mm-hmm. that you just can't get out of the way of. And it just keeps on building on each other. And so instead of focusing in on any of the positives and, and we try, like, I mean, there's parts of this coaching staff. We mentioned Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart on previous podcasts that I'm really excited about. Um, I even like Mo Linguist and, and what he can bring to the, to the defense. There's certain things that are good, but when you've had six years of disappointment and six years of heartbreak and six years of, of getting punched in the face and the whole thing, you just go to this, you, you see the, the, the negatives much stronger. And it's going to take for me as a fan, not as a fan of Michigan, but as someone who is very anti Jim Harbaugh, it's going to take something special in 2021 for me to get back on board. And that's not going to happen with recruiting that's not going to happen with spring practice that is only going to happen if they go out there and they win football games at a rate that they have not won football games under Jim Harbaugh so far and until that happens I am going to be critical and I'm going to be cynical of Jim Harbaugh because all we have are six years all right four years of utter disappointment from this program and 0-5 against Ohio State and 0-6 in the Big Ten yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, it's it's tough. I think we've seen it happen too often, where the hype is there and then it's it's disappointment. So um, I think you know we'll we'll revisit this conversation about a hundred times, I'm sure, before next season. Um, but I think there's a lot to be excited about too, with with some new faces in there. So we'll I think we'll we'll do a breakdown of each one of those new faces uh, in terms of what they can bring to Michigan here in the, in the future as we, as we ramp up towards next football season. Uh, and so um, that, and, and also Mike, we got Michigan basketball coming back hopefully soon. So uh, hopefully we can be less cynical and more uh, on the optimistic side for that. But um, let's, uh, let's leave it at that for today. 
Uh, you can follow us at Stadium Main Pod on Twitter. Mike, is uh, is your is your app still deleted, or are you still at Michael Spath ITH on Twitter? Well, I never got rid of my I never got rid of my handle. Uh, you just deleted the app. I just phone. I just deleted the app. I've deleted the app from my phone. Um, I noticed yesterday I hadn't posted anything on Twitter in like four days. That's what happens when you delete your app is you're not on the computer as much. I mean, when I'm on the computer, I'm working right. um, from, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever it is. Uh, and so I don't have time to, to play on play around on Twitter. So, no, I have not spent much time on Twitter the last couple of days. I've been happier for it, uh, I have to say. Uh, but you can follow me, Michael Spreth, I-T-H. And I think I'm doing a better job of, of – of removing the toxicity from my own social media life. So um, look forward to it and look forward to some Michigan basketball comeback. We'll talk Super Bowl. We'll talk some more things coming up later this week. We also have a special interview. Look for a separate podcast with uh, David Moss, a former Michigan hockey player. Had a great time talking to him. So that'll come out uh, within the next couple of days too. Thanks to Kaepernick Insurance Group, Frankenmuth Insurance, uh, our other sponsors, Lewis Jeweler of Ann Arbor, um, I'm having a lot of fun at uh, Kaepernick Insurance Group right now. In fact, I'm getting off this podcast and immediately calling up uh, a new restaurant in uh, Detroit uh, who is going to be working with us. So I'm really excited about. Um, and so hopefully down the road, I'll be able to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, so great stuff, Justin. And if you have some feedback for us, we'd love to hear, love to hear from you too. Um, as Justin mentioned, the, the Twitter handles, you can also comment. Uh, you know, you can leave reviews on, on Apple and Google podcasts and with that, but reach out to us because we'd love to get your take on, uh, on Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football, uh, and, and certainly on the roster management of this coaching staff. This is the Stadium and Main podcast presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.